Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. For those of you who call this home, it's good to see you again. Uh, For those of you who are visiting us for the first time, whether online or here in the sanctuary, um, we're so grateful to have you. Um, If you are online um, and you're visiting us for the for the first time, yes, there is this thing called online church now. Uh, it's a it's a good thing, and uh, we just want to welcome you. So if you're here for the first time and you're online, um, send us an email. I will never get used to saying that, but send us an email to let us know that you visited us online. Um, and if you're here today, please stop or grab one of our leaders. Let us know that you are here, and uh, we just want to make sure that your first time with us is welcoming and we can answer any questions that you may have. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we are in a new series, um, as you know, that we kicked off last week called uh, Nobody Greater. Um, We are in the book of First Chronicles. Um, Last week, we talked about what worship is and how we do it. Um, We we said that worship is having home court advantage. Amen. Um, And then we also talked about how worship is acknowledging to God who he is, and we talked about how worship is singing praises on to him uh, to let people know who he is. And then we also talked about how uh, worship is going to his throne, that it's seeking after him, um, that we are seeking God's face, right, actively uh, and urgently in the pursuit of God. Uh, so once again, we're going to be in First Chronicles chapter 16 today, although we're going to look at several uh, different texts, uh, but meet me in verse 14 of First Chronicles chapter 16. And by the way, next week, um, Elder Keith will come behind me in the same series, uh, and he will take us in another direction, but I think you'll appreciate uh, the way that this series is broken up. First Chronicles chapter 16, we're going to start with verse 14, and we're going to read to verse 27. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion that you will inherit. When we were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one, no man, to oppress them. For their sake, for their sake rather, he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do not do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy in his dwelling place. Let's pray. God, we thank you 
uh, for today. We thank you for what you're going to do today. We thank you, Lord, that your word guides us, leads us, and gives us everything that we need. God, I don't know what else to to pray for today except for what you want. And one one thing that we know that you want is you want our worship. You want us to make your name known. You want us to glorify you and lift up your name and to praise you, Lord, to seek you, to come close to you. And so that's what we plan to do, Lord. We pray that you would go before us like you did on the cross and do what only divinity can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Some people, uh, they go to the podiatrist because they need him to cut off a callus uh, where their skin has gotten really hard. It's not that they don't have soft skin, right? It's just that it's been covered for so long that they can't feel it anymore. When you and I have gone and taken an extended time away from God, uh, when we spend an extended time with our affections solely on what makes us happy, what makes us feel good, what gives us a high like entertainment and food and money and clothes and makeup and businesses and jobs and careers, when we put our affections onto those things, and those are good things, God gives us those things to enjoy, but when we have our solely our affection on them and on those things, we find ourselves getting into a hard place in our hearts. If you're not careful, you may find that your heart is slowly becoming covered. It's slowly becoming hardened. Life can cause all kinds of calluses. I'm sure I have somebody in this room who's a witness to that. But if we remember what the heart is to worship, we can save ourselves a lifetime of outpatient procedures to cut off that hard buildup in our hearts. I talked about hearts a little bit last week, but God impressed on me this week to go a little deeper with you all this morning. So if you're bear with me, we're going to do that. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. I'm just going to look at Proverbs, and we're going to go to chapter 4, and this is a little verse that you all know, but I believe that it will help us give a lot of understanding, and it's more packed than we think. It reads, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Let's look at that. Above all else. Why would, the, why would someone say, why would the Bible say, above all else? That tells me that it means above everything else that's going on. This is a high priority. Right When you get that email that comes into your account um, from your boss and your boss says, listen, drop everything else, I need you to take care of this. What do we do? We drop everything else, and if someone says, no, but I need you, we say, well, the boss said that I need to do this. Right? 
Well, God is saying here in his word uh, that we need to do this. So above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. I'm concerned, you know, sometimes when our hearts, if we're not, hearts are not guard, guarded, your faith starts to waver a little bit. Uh, you wonder why trouble keeps on following you and bringing its two sisters, disappointment and discouragement, right, along with it, right? Sometimes you begin to stop hoping, you, you stop trusting, you, you, you stop believing, and in some cases, in extreme cases, you stop living. You've given up. You're done. So you think for the moment. So I'm concerned, as deep as this verse is, and I do believe it's deep, we, we, it's, it's one verse, and you've heard it over and over again, and perhaps we're sensitized to it, um, but I think we're in an age where no one is guarding anything. You know, the, the heart is to worship as water is to filters, right, on, on cars. You, you, you have to have it. Uh, you have to have those filters in your car. If it's not clean, it's not going to run properly. Some of us found that out when you had your first car, right? And we need to teach this to our kids. It, it, as, in, it, as innovative as social media is, our youth are not guarding their hearts online. Influencers have become the Bible. And it's not just for youth, it's for us as adults as well. We're just not guarding our hearts. God didn't put that there just so we can say, oh, yeah, guard our hearts, make sure we're, you know, make sure we're okay. And we think of all the extreme things that we need to guard our heart from. That it's the extreme things, but it's also the little things. Right? Your heart is to be guarded above all other things. You know why? I, I, I said it last week. That's where our worship comes from. Out of the heart. So if the heart is dirty, if the heart is dirty, then you're not going to be able to worship like you want to. You're not going to be able to reach his throne like you intended to. God is saying to a dying world, come, let me give you what you're searching for. The song I love that says, I don't have to search no more. I found what I was looking for. In Christ Jesus. Worship is an attitude, and in order to be close to God, our hearts have to be the healthiest part of our spiritual beings. Has to be the healthiest part. You have to want it, though. You have to want it. It is your desire to be close to him. Is that your desire this morning? Is there anybody that does not want to be close to him? You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to be close to him. Because fellowshipping, right, with the believers coming to hear his word and to worship with hands and to serve him. And we, we worship in so many ways. I always tell you that, that worship is not just praise and worship. It happens the minute that you wake up and it happens throughout your day. It doesn't just happen on Sundays, although it needs to happen on Sundays. That's a very important day. But is your desire to draw close to God? I know mine is. I want to be closer to him every moment. In fact, back uh, I was sitting and just listening to be close to him, listening to a song talking about that, and just meditating. Look at these verses with me. If your desire is to be close to God, then let's look at a couple of verses that, that talk about what that looks like. Right? James chapter 4. Go to James chapter 4. You're going to look at verse number 8. James 4 and 8. 
It says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Isn't that elementary? Isn't that simple? Okay. Come near to him, and he'll come near to you. All of a sudden, we're close. We're face to face, right? Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Flush out your heart, you double-minded. Now, it doesn't say wait for God to come near to you. I've done that before. I thought, like, you know, what are you doing? I, I, you know, I need you to, I need you to come close. I, I, I want you to be close. But, but am I drawing near? Right? Worship is an action. Right? We have to move. It, it's an action that we take. Right? It's, it's a, it's an active type of stance that we take. So God says, "Draw near to me. Come near. Come, come closer." Married couples, you know about that, right? Watching a movie, come closer. If you have teenagers, it makes them, uh, yeah. <laughs> but draw, you, you draw close. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, let's look at that. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to look at verse number 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 2. It says, and you shall remember the whole way. I like it. There's different translations that say, you know, uh, various things, but I love the, the ESV that says, uh, you shall remember the whole way. That means as you're going along the whole way, your whole walk, you ought to remember that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, right? This is uh, coming from the Old Testament, that he might humble you, right? That he might humble you, right? We're coming beneath him, we're coming below him, um, and testing you to know what's in your heart. Testing you to know what's in your heart. These are not difficult passages. We don't have to do a whole lot of exegetical work here. He's saying, he's draw close to me, right? We saw in James 4, 8. And then it says here that as you, thinking about that, as you draw closer, uh, you need to make sure that uh, you remember the whole way. Remembering is a, is, a, is a big thing. I mean, how many of you, some of you, if you think about last week's message, may not remember, if I didn't recall them at the beginning, anything that I said, right? That happens a lot, right? We, in the moment, boy, we can remember everything. We're like, oh, you know, praise God, his word is good. And then come Monday, Tuesday afternoon, you're like, oh, you know what we talked about on Sunday. It was good, though. It was good. It was good. It was good. Right. But, um, but you don't remember, and, that, and that's okay. I mean, I'm the, I'm the same way. I have to I write things down. I typically, I am a person that I journal every, everything. I, I used to be all on, in a book. Now I have to do it on my phone because literally I can talk to seven people and they would have said seven very important things, and I'm probably not going to remember half of it by the time I get home and someone makes a phone call to me and I'm driving and I, I go to eat, and the next thing I know I have to recall it all. So I journal everything so that I can remember, especially when things are really significant or if someone says something um, in a journal. We have, to, we have to do that because we, we do forget, right? But um, what he's saying here is that he cares about what's in here. He cares about what's in your heart. He can change it overnight if he wanted to, but we have to draw near to him. And it's not a one-time drawing, right? We don't get saved, and if, if you've just came to the Lord recently, and you just came and you're walking with God, it's not a one-time thing, it's a, it's a daily thing, 
It's a daily thing. And we say that, right? But then we can probably pick a day or two throughout the week where we're like, if we're honest, I don't even know if I, how much I talked to you. I mean, I thanked you for my food and I, and I thanked you for keeping me safe, but I don't know how much I actually just set before you and gave you the time that you need right? and that you desire and that you want. So do you see how important it is that we have clean hearts? Worship becomes what it was intended to be and intended to do when we allow God to take the you that not everyone sees and start to chip away at those callous spots, right? It's like when you go to the dentist, right? My dentist uh, told me at, uh, one time recently that, oh, you're, you're not just coming back. She sent a text message and said, you're not just coming back to get a regular cleaning. We need to do a deep cleaning, we need to do a deep, it's time for you to get a deep cleaning. There's some, there's some stuff in there we, got, <laughs> we have to take care of. Um, but it's a, a regular checkup won't do, right? So when you think about your hurt and you think about your pain and you think about some of the things that we have allowed to come into our hearts, deep cleaning. You know, our, hard, our hearts can sometimes get covered with so many different things. Um, and it's not just the things, some of the things that we would normally think of. Sometimes your hearts are like that because we have trouble telling the truth. Some have trouble keeping their promises to other people. Some have trouble, this is a big one, gossiping. Gossip. God says, no, that, that's going to dirty your hearts. That's going to dirty your heart. When, you, when you're going behind someone and saying things to them, or about them, rather, and you're talking about someone else, and it could just be subtle, but it's still gossip, that just chips away at your heart. It chips away at your heart. Some have trouble keeping their word. You ever say you're going to do something? Say you're going to be somewhere and somebody calls you or you've been planning it for a month and you're like, oh, uh, I'm on my way. <laughs> you haven't even left the house yet. <laughs> you, you completely forgot about it. Thank God you were dressed. All right. Keeping your word. Let's look at, let's look at Psalm 15. Don't take my word for it. Um, look at Psalms 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5. Everything that we're talking about, a lot of it is right here. I hear pages rattling. I'll give you a second. 15. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter into your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what's right. Sometimes just doing what's right, right? Sometimes it's just doing what's right. I, I learned that from Elder Ezekiel. Uh, he's always talking about just we need to do what's right. We need to do what's right. Speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Sincere hearts, that means no lying, right? Number, verse number three, those who refuse to gossip, there it is. Told you not to take my word for it. 
It's right there in Scripture. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises, even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest, I don't know about that one. No, no, I'm just and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Is that just me, or do we hear about lying at least twice in there? It's easy to lie, you know that, right? You know, sometimes it can even be white lies that chip away at your heart. Can I give you a, a, an embarrassing example? Um, <laughs> someone said, yeah. So my wife does an amazing job at making sure that I eat because I get busy sometimes and I get in my zone and um, she notices I get, if I start getting a little irritated, that typically means I didn't eat. I don't, I don't get irritated a lot, but when I don't eat, you'll know it, right? <laughs> and um, so she would take these, um, oh, wow, I just realized I don't even think I said, no, I don't think I told her this to her yet. Um, she used to, she, she would make my, I'm getting myself in trouble. She, she would, she'd make these meals, right? And she would, um, in all honesty, she would make these meals and she would put them in the, in the, in what we call the gridge. And, uh, she'd put them in there and I'm supposed to take one when I leave for work every day. So I take them when I leave for work and I take them when I leave for work, you know, every day. I would forget them a lot and she would get upset about it and she would say, you know, I, I did this cooking and you said that you want your vegetables, right? Because I'm always like, we need to stop eating this junk. I, I need vegetables, right? I'm, you know, I need to keep things down and, um, and, 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 and all of that, right? And um, long story short, she would make them and then I would bring them to work. And sometimes I'd forget them in my car. Sometimes I'd forget it at home. Sometimes I wouldn't put it in the, in the uh, grid in my off the refrigerator in my office. And so she would call me as she always does during lunchtime or sometime. And she says, um, did you eat? Did you, did you? And so while I'm on the phone with her, true, being honest here, I turn around because it's right behind my chair, grab my food out, right? <laughs> like, yep, I'm eating right now. <laughs> right? Because I'm trying not to lie, right? But I, I've, I've, I forgot that I, that I even put it in there. So it could even be, it can be lies, right? We laugh about that, but even the small stuff chips away, you know, at your heart, right? I'm going to get it. Uh, but it's something that I would do, and, I, and it not, you know, not only once. So it, it can chip away. And listen, these are not the only areas, right? Some of you are stressed out, Right? You keep running into the same situations on your job. People are stabbing you in the back. You're misrepresenting what you said, right? Maybe you don't feel appreciated at home. Uh, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're looking at, looking at everyone and planning outings and different things like that. And you, you barely received a thank you, let alone um, do you need some help, right? Everyone just seems to want more. Any mothers? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> and you're stressed. Some of you are stressed by money. You have plenty of it, but you're too proud to get professional advice knowing you really don't know how to manage it. 
And so it just keeps on slipping through your hands. And as long as it's there, you seem to be okay with it. And your spouse is begging you to get help. Have somebody help us because you are not doing it. And, and some people know that they're not the financial. I, I love it when I, when I meet a couple and a couple of someone says, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't deal with the finances. I'm just not good at that. You, I love that. You, you know that you're, that's not, you're not good at it. But if both of, y'all not, both of you are not good at it, you need to get some help. Right. And don't let pride creep in. So some of you are very are stressed out and for various reasons. Right. Some of us uh, carry unforgiveness. We're quick to say we're forgiven um, and that we forgave someone. But what happens when you see your ex? When you see your old boss? When you go to the family gatherings, you go to the other room in the opposite room of where somebody's at. You haven't really forgiven Do you see that? You haven't really forgetting. You're holding people in unforgiveness, and each year the calluses are getting harder, and they're getting harder, and they're getting harder. It's covering up what was once a healthy will and desire for God. And listen, this is all of us. So if you're sitting there and you're just, you're feeling some type of way about your your guilt coming on you, this is every single one of us in this room. You've learned how to smile. You've learned how to play it off. On the inside, it's killing you. Other people, maybe you're bitter. Maybe there's some bitterness coming in. You're so bitter that sugar tastes sour to you because you still have a bad taste in your mouth about that relationship that went sideways. You know, hey, Maybe you're a sister and, you know, he said he was a Christian. You gave him your body and he stepped out and you found out that he was stepping out on you and he was not all that he said he was. And he acted like, you know, all the other men that you dated before you came to Christ. And you're like, what is this? The problem may get worse because you take that view into now your current marriage with a new person and all that bitterness is being placed on them. They are so confused, and you've just been justifying your behavior. And God is saying, let me replace the bitterness with one of the attitudes of worship called forgiveness. Real forgiveness. Not just saying, yeah, I forgave them. That was 10 years ago. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about that. Your actions say otherwise, right? And I have to do that in my own life, and you have to do that in your life, and we have to look, we have to sift through and be able to say, guess I am kind of bitter. Right. Listen to this, uh, Hebrews 12, 15. I did not give this one to them. This, um, I was looking at this. It came to me this morning. It says, Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. What does that mean? Bitterness spreads. It says, by it, no one comes to file. So the people around you are feeling that. What does it mean? It spreads. Maybe it's anger for you, right? I'm not going to hit every thing that you're dealing with, but I hope you're getting the picture here. Maybe it's anger for you. And you don't even know why you're angry. You ever, you ever been angry you don't know why you're angry? 
I know for me it's because I haven't eaten, but um, you know, I'm, but you ever been angry and you don't know why? You just snap at your kids, you snap at your husband, you snap at your wife, you snap at the people at work, you snap at the store clerk, you snap at anyone who disagrees with you. You're just snapping, oh, like, like a little turtle, right? Just, just snapping at everyone. Maybe you're angry at God. Maybe you're angry at people. Maybe God has not delivered you from whatever it is you're struggling with. He, he seems not to, not to hear you or hear your on-the-run prayers to say this or give you this or make this go away or open this door or close this door. Open the door, Lord, but you haven't drawn near to him. You haven't drawn near to him. It's like that commercial with the, uh, the lady. I think it's a Target commercial when she's standing in front of the door is going, open, 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 right? He's sitting there saying, I barely hear from you and you want me to open the door for you? I am not the Ritz-Carlton doorman, right? My, my, kids, uh, my kids have a habit. It's a cute habit and I love them, but it's a, but it's a closed door habit. Um, my wife and I keep the, our door open for most of the day and night. My kids have full access. Um, two of our kids are at home, and they, they are my girls, and they, they come to us anytime to talk to us about something that's con- that they're concerned about, tell a joke, show something on TikTok. I don't know how many TikTok videos I have um, that they have sent to me, and um, it's an open-door policy. Well, every once in a while, my wife will close the door, and there are some parts of the days where they don't need anything. It's just maybe a lazy day, and they're just sort of hanging out, watching movies, or they don't want to talk, and we don't see them for a while that day. But to our surprise, when we closed the door, all of a sudden, we got their attention, right? What you doing? <laughs> you know, can I come in, you know, type things? Well, sometimes God has to close the doors in your life to get your attention, he, he closes doors typically, yes, because we're not ready or to protect us and things like that. But sometimes it's because we don't turn our attention to him until the door is closed. So he says, okay, I'm going to close it. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't, he hasn't uh, forsaken you. Remember, he said he'll never leave you or forsake you, but he does want your attention. And if he can't get your attention, sometimes he'll do something like closing a door. And all of a sudden, we're ready to worship. All of a sudden, we're ready to talk, right? And we get angry, get angry at God. And God is once again saying, let me replace that anger with the attitude of worship called joy. Whatever it is that is restricting your worship, family, God wants to remove it so that you can dwell with him. Now, before I close, there's always, I always want you to go away with something practical that you can do. Because remember, God's word is active and he's looking. There's things that we need to do. And then he does his part. So number one is, and I want you to look back at the First Chronicles passage. Number one is, remember his covenant. Right? So when we look at verse 16, it says the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Everlasting covenant. That covenant comes down to, to you and I, and he has 
a covenant with us, and we need to remember those things. And it's the covenant, but it's also just remembering what he said. Remember we talked about a little bit earlier about how sometimes we don't remember what happened yesterday? Remember what he said. If you have to write that down, then write that down. If you want to share it with someone else, even better. So remember his covenant, verse 16. And then remember you're protected. Verse 21 says, he allowed no man to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. He allowed no man to oppress them. You're protected. God loves you. He's going to protect you. He's not going to harm you in any way. He may do some things that's going to make you angry, or it, but you'll understand it at some point in your life. You'll understand it. But if we know, come from the premise that, listen, I believe his word, and his word says that he loves me, that he'll never leave me or forsake me, then you know you're protected. So remember his covenant. Remember you're protected. Remember what's in your heart will come out, but it doesn't go away. Right? We have to filter out those things in our heart. It'll come out. People will see it. And you, it's amazing what some of the things that come out of our hearts, right? People will see it. And somebody may even call us on it if they love us. I'm talking about in relationship. Don't just go saying anything to anybody. But remember what's in your heart will come out and it doesn't go away. And then last, remember you were created for so much more. You were created for so much more than you are doing right now. So much more. And sometimes the limitations of our heart, of our worship, is what hinders God. Stand with me. What keeps him and keeps you from getting to where you really need to be. He has a plan and a purpose and we say that in a cliche way, but I'm telling you, he has a plan and a purpose for each and every individual standing here today. If you've given your life to him. And there's so much more you have to look forward to. This is not it. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are and how it doesn't look like you're where you need to be with your peers. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and I'm, for one, I'm excited about what he'll do with yours and with mine. But we have to have clean hearts so that we can get to the throne of grace, that we can get to that place where we're close to him. Let's pray. God, your word tells us to create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within. And so, God, as we come today, Lord, each and every one of us, we all have some spots in our hearts, some things that have become calluses over time. But I thank you, God, that we are able to come to you in worship and admiration and in love, seeking your face, and that you're going to turn around and do something with that, Lord. I pray for every individual, Lord, who's, who's angry here today, who's bitter online, Lord, who's, who's, who's struggling day to day with the different things that they've gone through. 
past relationships, troubles on the job. But God, you have a plan and you have a purpose. In fact, you have a purpose for what we're going through and for why we found ourselves in that place, Lord. But when it's all said and done, Lord, we believe that you are going to do great things, Lord. We were created for so much more, Lord. And so we draw near to you, God, and we pray that you, we pray your word back to you that you draw near to us, God. And Lord, I pray that you seal every prayer, every cry, every plead that you're hearing right now. I know your people are praying right now. They're giving you their stuff right now. I pray that you would do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine in our lives, God. We praise this, we say this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The hallelujah, church. Let's raise a hallelujah. And I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. And I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me.
Church, uh, just thank you this morning. Uh, we're glad you joined us online and here in the sanctuary. Uh, this is a safe place. This is God's house and all are welcome. All are welcome. Um, this morning, we just want to tell you that you are loved. We pray for you often. I speak to a lot of you as well. We want to be a family. It's a family. There are going to be things that happen, as Brother Jason talked about, but we're a family. And we love you. And with that, uh, you prayed for and you are sent. Have a great week. Amen. God bless you.